Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm more than willing and ready to vote yes for an impeachment inquiry. Republicans believe newly discovered emails from when then-Vice President Biden used a pseudonym and copied Hunter Biden could provide a smoking gun and bolster their impeachment push. Then-Vice President uh, Biden was trying to hide his identity, which would make you think that he is involved in something he shouldn't be involved with. One email copied to Hunter noted that Mr. Biden had a phone call with then-Ukrainian leader Petro Poroshenko. That's when Hunter Biden was on the board of Ukrainian energy firm Burisma. So uh, that's obviously troubling and smoke, if not fire. Joe Biden uses a pseudonym to email his son. Hey, I'm talking to the big guy in Ukraine later. But he knew nothing. He never even discussed the family business with Hunter Biden, a claim that is now ridiculous, being ignored by the vast majority of the media, but still ridiculous. This, I thought, was very interesting. I'm sorry, the New York Post, which is still uh, hot to trot on this story. Um, It's about the billion dollars. And, fellas, I should have asked, and ladies, uh, for the the famous clip of Joe Biden saying, you know, I told him you're not going to get your billion dollars unless you fire this guy. Do we have that handy? No, we did the other day. We got to keep that on some sort of bar because we're going to be using that, as I've said before, like, oh, every, every week for the next five years. Go ahead. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had they were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to, or we're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Who wouldn't go after the company that's paying my son. 
Joe Biden was then, is now, and has been his whole life absolutely full of crap. <laughs> Bingo. And constantly tells stories where he's the hard ass who gets things done. Look at me, the tough guy. And so I think he uh, really delighted in that particular narrative in that story. But the New York Post, and I would beg of you to keep in mind how often the New York Post has been absolutely right on this stuff and how infrequently they've been wrong about this stuff is reporting that former President Barack Obama's State Department and several other administration officials were happy enough with Ukraine's former top prosecutor's anti-corruption efforts to sign off on the billion dollars in U.S. aid weeks before the pressure campaign spearheaded by Joe Biden forced him from office. According to a bunch of documents, this Freedom of Information stuff, the government memos obtained and released on Monday contradict the prevailing narrative put forward by Democrats, arguing that Biden's threat in 2015 to withhold U.S. loan guarantees for Ukraine in, in exchange for the ouster of uh, Prosecutor General Viktor Shoykin from office was consistent with U.S. policy goals. Several officials in the weeks leading up to the December 2015 visit to Kiev said they were impressed with the progress Shoykin's office had made in preceding months. One of the documents setting forth conditions for the loans drafted one month before the vice president's trip listed no issues with granting the funds and said nothing about firing the prosecutor. Reports of the threat to condition the loan guarantees also came as a surprise to U.S. officials in January 2016, as Biden's warning apparently leaked in the Ukrainians' press. Remember, nobody knew about the warning that he claims to have so toughly made for a long time. In the U.S., it leaked in January 2016 in the Ukrainian press. Officials scrambled at the time to update their proposal with almost identical conditions to the previous years, but made no mention of the need to remove the prosecutor. The memos show that Biden may have acted alone and, in fact, countered to U.S. policy when he told then-Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko to get rid of Shoykin. I would think at some point somebody's got to ask President Obama about this because this decision would go clear to the president, wouldn't it? He would 100% withhold the billion dollars from Ukraine. Yeah, so he would he would have to know if that was the policy or not or if Joe Biden was instructed to strong arm them with the money. An FBI whistleblower has alleged Biden pushed for Shoykin's ouster because he was investigating gas company Burisma, where his son Hunter had an $80,000 a month seat on the board of directors, despite having no experience in its business. Although, as has been made clear by Devin Archer, Burisma was trying to buy an energy company in the United States, and they needed somebody who could get calls answered and doors opened. Mm -hmm. And that's why Hunter Biden and, and Devin Archer were making millions of dollars. Millions, folks. So I am a fair-minded gentleman, and I hate sticking my neck out on this show and turning out to be wrong. So I will tell you, just out of a sense of logic or a a value of, of logical chains of evidence, the fact that we haven't yet found the memo that says, Dear State Department and... And, and Vice President Joe, uh, it's uh, become clear to me that this Victor Shoykin character is no good. So go over there and tell them we're not going to give them their money unless they fire them. The fact that that has not been discovered does not mean it doesn't exist. But up to a few weeks, just a few weeks before that December 2015 visit 
all of the documentation from the State Department um, and the, uh, well, I guess the State Department is the executive branch. Um, all of the documentation communication they can find <clears throat> makes no reference whatsoever to that being the aid being conditional. None. And the boy was making millions of dollars from a company being threatened by this prosecutor. That's not proof. Even circumstantial evidence of that massive isn't proof. But the idea that it's not justification for taking a good hard look at it, only a Biden or the New York Times could make that claim. It's ridiculous. Well, if there's an impeachment inquiry around this stuff, will they un will they get any more First of all, will they have any get any new information we don't already know? And secondly, will it get any media coverage and move the ball down the field at all? Uh, yes to the first one, uh, probably to the second one. Uh, Comer and uh, Jim Jordan and those other guys are pretty smart. They know who to call and what questions to ask, and I think it will become irresistible, uh, I suspect. Unless there is, again, some memo that we have yet to find that it was late-breaking news. Hey, turns out this guy's on the take. we got to fire him, or we're not going to give up the loan. If that uh, emerges, I will manfully come to you and, and admit it, but it, it hasn't yet. Oh, in fact, they're quite to the contrary. There are multiple, multiple memos and emails and stuff that uh, say, all right, we're all systems go on this aid, and none of them mention any conditionality, so... Are some of the most popular drugs that you and I buy going to get cheaper, as Joe Biden claimed yesterday, or not? We'll talk to our healthcare expert, Craig Gottwalls, in about 15, 20 minutes about that. And I don't actually know the answer to that. So also, if you're flying this weekend, going to be another record-setting weekend, going to be another weekend full of messes at the airport, as have been the last many holidays. I can hit you with some of the details on that coming up. Also, clearly, as I look at the television... Uh, Garth Brooks is dying his beard. That's pretty obvious to me because we're about the same age. His is jet black. Uh, what products do you use for that? I want to start doing that. He's got the stubble like I do. He doesn't have a beard. He just says, hey, mm. I haven't shaved in a couple of days. How do you dye that? Dying stubble? Yeah, I have do, no idea. How do you do that without dying your face? Mm. Oh, no. You look like Fred Flintstone or something. <laughs> I'm sure if there is some sort of top secret known only to NASA and, and, and North Korea or whatever dye that's available, he would have, you know, well, yeah, Garth, the, the, the money to get it. Garth Brooks has got a gazillion dollars. Maybe he can afford to have somebody painstakingly with a Q-tip dye each individual hair so you don't get it on your skin. I don't know, but I just wonder if you know how that is. Do you think it's like spray on stubble in like in a can that you just... That'd be cool. Kind of wow. like, uh, yeah. Aerosol stubble. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Just spray it on. Kind of have that, have it shaved in a couple of days, but it is jet black look. That's what I'm going for. That Brad Pitt in 1993 look? Yes. Yeah. So manly. You can only do it for so long. I notice this on men, particularly women, too. It's just the, uh, it's okay, okay, maybe you're going gray just a little later than other people. But then there's a line that gets crossed with your face, and it just doesn't match up, and it just it becomes ridiculous, right? Right. But at the same time, I just, I'm not attracted to or turned on by gray-bearded women. <laughs> if you know the answer to this question... Uh, text line is 415-295-KFTC. Man, if you're flying this weekend, it's going to be rough, among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So as I mentioned, Garth Brooks is clearly dying his stubble. And uh, I said, how do you do that without dyeing your face? And we got a gazillion texts from people on uh, various products used. We've got this one. The type of stuff that you want for your beard is called bites and B-I-G-E-N or something. Anyway, and it does not leave marks on your beard. I use the number three, and it turns out fantastic. I'm 56, and I look 36. It works. I doubt it. Mm. <laughs> I, I just doubt that you look 36. But, you know, maybe you do. But I'm familiar with some uh, products that will like soften the gray in a in a beard, but how do you dye stubble? I have no idea. It must work. Anywho, this weekend, Labor Day weekend, going to set another record. Did you know more people have flown this summer than any summer in uh, history of America? That's amazing. It is amazing and that it's up like 10% from 2019 pre-pandemic. But we have significantly fewer flights and pilots out there. I mean, it's just it's not a hard nut to crack as to what the problems are. We have way more people flying than ever and way fewer flights and pilots than we had back when we were flying them before. And air waitresses and ground crews, luggage guys, everybody. Right. So I just... I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like we, it's kind of like the way I do with a lot of stuff. You haven't changed anything from the last time this didn't work out. So guess <laughs> what? It's not going to work out again this time. I prefer to keep doing the same things and expecting different outcomes. That's <laughs> right. the way I roll. <laughs> that is the way I roll on Did, many situations. But Didn't the airlines get tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to keep everybody employed? Oh, How'd yeah. that go? Yeah. Well, a lot of people retired, and then they just didn't come back. And mm, it takes a long right. time to become a pilot. The hours you got to get in that, that's not something you can just, you can't just go out and hire pilots like you can people to work at the IHOP. Oh, come on. You got a guy, a gal that can land a plane three times in a row, put him in the cockpit. That's what I say. 
Once is luck. Twice may be a fluke. If you can land it three times in a row, you know what you're doing. Let's let's get to Cleveland, all right? The TSA secretary said, pack your patience this weekend. You get it? I get it. <laughs> uh, expecting uh, lines and delays and all kinds of stuff. Friday's going to be the worst day, so... I don't, I don't know what you're going to do with that. I mean, I, I, I never know what to do with this information. When I hear it on the radio TV, I've got plans. I'm not going to alter them based on anything you just said because of the hotels then and the meeting the family then or whatever. So, yeah, it'd be great if I could fly Thursday through Saturday. But that's not when everybody else is going to be available. So, whatever. The only thing I could suggest is make sure you have that airline's app that you're flying on. Download it, update it, have it good to go in case you have to switch something at the last minute. You'll be ahead of the poor sons of guns who are waiting in line 50 deep there at the ticket counter. And most importantly, pack your patients. And if it's li- <laughs> if it's liquid patients, don't have more than three ounces of your liquid patients. <laughs> Fabulous. Now, this other major news story about the burger monarch. Michael? This morning, a major food fight brewing over Burger King's famed Whopper. The meat of the dispute? Consumers who signed on to the proposed class action lawsuit accuse Burger King of depicting its best-selling burger with ingredients that overflow the bun, making it appear 35% larger with roughly double the meat than it actually has in real life. They claim the Whopper shown on in-store menu boards misleads customers, constituting a breach of contract. Well, what do you expect in a monarchy? The exec- there is no check on executive power. Right. Burger King is pre-Magna Carta, too, so you just have no rights. <laughs> who who are these people who... Well, it's a lawyer thing. They're going to get money from Burger King. Or Mostly. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, Before I don't know what, there were memes, there was that meme that showed what the advertisement shows you and what the burger really looks like. Everybody knows it. Everybody saw it. Or the toy you bought that isn't near as fun as it looked like in the ads. Or it is my belief that the children who are in ecstasy over this toy were merely acting in the commercial. (laughs) Let's hear more from this problem that's uh, facing America. Court documents showing the side-by-side comparison of a Whopper received by a customer and the advertisement. These people aren't looking to get $5 million because they bought a hamburger that didn't look like what they were advertised. The consumers really want to bring about change. They have a lot of choices. They want to just be told truthfully what their choices are. A spokesperson for Burger King telling ABC News the plaintiff's claims are false. The flame-grilled beef patties portrayed in our advertising are the same patties used in the millions of Whopper sandwiches we serve to guests nationwide. Why does it look so big then? (laughs) I'm not sure I believe that because I I did look at the side-by-side, and like I said, I was at Burger King last night, and the the meat does not hang out over the side of the bun, and the lettuce isn't like holding up the tomato and the... Yes, Michael. Did you complain to the manager? No, we did ask for cheese on our big kings with bacon, and we didn't get cheese. And I says to the kid... I said, uh, I want the big king with cheese and no and bacon, but no onions. He said, it doesn't come with onions. I said, oh, cool. I said, look at you, knowing the ingredients of all your sandwiches. Very nicely done. He said, it's not that hard. <laughs> so, I get, so I get my big king, and guess what it's got on it? Freaking onions. No. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. Henry said, are you going to go back and say something to him? I said, no, but 
He did come off kind of like know-it-all-ish with this. The Big King does not have onions. Turns out it does, Junior! You should have gone back to that counter and taken the onions and pushed them right in his face. What do you think this is, son? Smell like onions? And I just said, look at that picture. Does that look like this? No, it does not. Where do I sign for my class action lawsuit? Uh, I make $12 an hour, man. I don't care. And I don't care. And if they fire me, I'll walk across the street to IHOP and they'll hire me there because they need people to. Are you going to eat your squashed underside <laughs> burger or should I throw it away? <laughs> what a stupid lawsuit. If you want cheese, go to the grocery store. Ah, boy. We're going to talk to a healthcare expert about this new thing Biden was crowing about with uh, prescription drugs. Find out if it's real or not. Coming up next. If you miss it, get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So the big medical news in terms of health care costs that was announced yesterday by the White House Good thing, bad thing, real or not. This is the way ABC portrayed it yesterday. President Biden announcing for the first time ever, Medicare will begin negotiating drug prices with manufacturers, targeting 10 major medications that treat everything from diabetes to blood clots to cancer. The president says it will mean lower health care costs for millions of Americans. As many as 9 million seniors take at least one of the drugs on the list, some paying up to $6,500 out of pocket each year. Seniors will see those savings kick in in about two and a half years. The prices have to first be negotiated with those drug companies, and some of them are already trying to block this program in court. But still, the White House says they're confident they will win and that the list of drugs announced today is just the beginning. So the question I have anytime I hear a story like that is how true is it? Is it going to matter to me or just other people? So we thought we'd talk to an expert. 
Yeah, indeed. And that two and a half years from now thing? Hmm. Yeah, Craig Gottwalls, Craig the Healthcare Guru, joins us. He's an attorney at law and benefit consultant with Benefit Revolution. Uh, Craig, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you, gentlemen? Oh, terrific. Thank you. So uh, what did you make of this? How significant is it? Yeah, it's it's a good deal, man. It's You know, if, when your dog comes to you after ignoring you for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, you don't spank it, right? You <laughs> You reward the dog for coming to you. And so this is... This is a move in the right direction. Now, the analogy I would give you guys is we're in a canoe in the middle of a lake. It's, it's rocking and rolling, and we've got a big leak, and the water's coming in rapidly. In our right cup, we have a red solo cup. That's the Trump, Trump transparency regulations. In our left cup, we now have a Dixie cup, and we're bailing that canoe, and this Dixie cup is this drug deal. Only because it's just 10 drugs, and it's two and a half years away. I totally applaud the move. We need way more of this. But how about all the drugs starting tomorrow, right? I mean, this is just a travesty. We're overpaying. We pay three times what other countries pay for these same darn drugs. And it's just because it's been all mobbed up for 20-plus years, and we can't negotiate with with the drug companies. Well, you partially answered my next question, but why such an incremental move, do you think? Well, because... Because healthcare is the number one lobby in the United States, and healthcare is the number one industry in the United States. And it's really bad for reelection if you say if you say no or if you try and curtail those people that are paying for your reelection. Oh man. Um, yep. So right. and and I mean, I, uh, okay. Be, uh, before I get to my question, so we're paying three times more than the rest of the world for the same drugs. On average, that's actually yes. That's that, right. That ain't good. So <laughs> nope. So uh, the the news report there mentioned the drug companies are trying to, you know, they're pushing back. They're trying to come up with a way around it. Do you think in two and a half years they'll figure out a way around it? Well, they're certainly going to try. And there are, I counted up yesterday, eight lawsuits already filed just on this topic. So every major drug manufacturer is in on it, and they want to stop it, obviously, because that chokes off their cash cow. I don't. I don't know if they'll have success this time around because, you know, we're $33 trillion in debt as a country. Um, we are a bankrupt, uh, you know, insurance company, effectively, with a, with a failing military. So I don't, see how, I don't see how you make the argument that we can't do this. I mean, this one, this one to me is a no-brainer that overwhelmingly Republicans and Democrats agree on. I mean, I think it's something like 77% of Republicans agree we should be negotiating these prices, and it's like mid-80s for Democrats. I'll tell you where this where this became screwy, gentlemen, was um, it was something we never did. We never negotiated these prices. OK, we just accepted whatever bogus off the shelf price the drug companies wanted. And we paid it with Medicare and Medicaid, which is bizarre. Then, if I might interject, I mean, can you imagine really bizarre? Yeah. yeah. Imagine if we had to go buy cars that way. Well, of course, that's kind of how the government does buy cars, sticker price for everything. But um in 2002, George Bush wrote this into law. He codified it, which didn't really change the modus operandi because we weren't negotiating anyway. But it was, again, a nod to one of his largest donor classes, Big Pharma. Then the, this is where it gets fascinating. You had pushback on it because Democrats were against that. Democrats were for price negotiation and Republicans were against it. And that went all the way up to 2009. And in 2009, President Obama realized there's no way I'm going to get Obamacare passed unless I get the hospitals, the insurance companies, and big pharma on my side. So he gave out little, little dog treats to each of those industries. And the dog treat he gave to pharma was, we will 
even with Obamacare, we will not negotiate drug prices. And then Obama took money from the healthcare industry, which was something that Democrats didn't by and large do at that time. But what that did is it opened the floodgates. So now, after 2009, both parties are on the payroll of the massive lobbies associated with healthcare, And that's what kicked this can all the way down the road to 2023, where finally we got to do something, right? The house is on fire and all we've got to fire, all we've got the garden hose. So what do we do? We're going to negotiate these 10, two and a half years from now. It's really similar to what they did with Obamacare. Wow, I didn't think I could become more cynical through the course of a single segment of the show, but I have. Uh, you remember when <laughs> three, four years ago, Craig, you and I were semi-obsessive about figuring out where we should move, uh, where there is liberty and, and, and free markets and that sort of thing. Uh, are you still on that? Where, where would you go right now as an expat? Portugal. That's my latest one is Portugal. Portugal. <laughs> I Lisbon. just had a neighbor go there, and he's telling me all about it. It sounds fantastic. Okay. Wow. Wow. Warm uh, weather, beaches, etc. Okay. I'm so in. so hey, me, 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 I was going to say, Jack, I want to tell you guys the story of, of a drug. I just want to if I can if I can fit it in here, I, I want to illustrate this point for you, just how corrupt this is. So Avastin and Lucentis, same drug, same active components made by Genentech. Lucentis came first. The problem is Lucentis is 38 times more expensive than Avastin. So Lucentis is used to treat cancer by slowing the growth of blood vessels that feed the tumors. But innovative doctors realized, oh, my gosh, we could inject a tiny amount of, of Avastin into an eyeball and slow macular degeneration. It worked. It was phenomenal. And in so doing, they used so little, it was only $60 per injection. Okay, so Genentech says, well, we can't have that. We're not making enough money on it. So Genentech repackages Avastin, rebrands it as Lucentis, sells it for the eye, and charges $2,300 per dose, oh. 38 times 38 times what doctors were paying to do it. Then Genentech comes out and says, and by the way, you can't use Avastin anymore. It's not safe. Uh, honorable <laughs> ophthalmologist said, that's BS. We can still use it. And they fought it and they sued and Genentech backed down. Now, why, why would doctors want to prescribe that more expensive drug? Because they're paid 6% of the cost of the drug. So every doctor that was prescribing Lucentis made $138 a pop while every doctor that was still using the Avastin was only making a, a Starbucks Americano. Wow. Their profit. That's wow. just one drug example, gents. One drug example that I have followed over the years, and our industry is riddled with them, riddled with them. So when they come out and say it's a big deal to negotiate 10, you know what? It's a big deal to negotiate. I'm happy we're doing it, but we need to be negotiating all these prices right now. It's our tax dollars. This is our biggest expense. And we're taking it so lightly in the face of $33 trillion in debt. Well, and you pile that on top of the discussion we've had several times about how Obamacare has enriched the major insurance companies beyond their wildest dreams that their stock price has risen 17 times faster than the S&P 500 or whatever the, the, the number is. It is utterly, utterly corrupt. It is. It is. You know what? I've been in this industry for 22 years, gentlemen. I've never been more cynical, but I'll tell you what, I've also never been more excited and had more fun because we now have tools to fight this and we're, we're, this is going to give us tools to fight it because every drug they start to negotiate, the private market will seize upon and will be able to ride those coattails and negotiate lower prices for themselves as well. So it's, it's a Dixie cup to a flooding canoe, but at least I got a Dixie cup in one hand and a solo cup in the other. So and I we're, 
we're using them. I don't know if my question is like a completely different topic, but like I, I always just picked the pharmacy that was closest to my house or my hospital. That's the way I always did it because it just seemed easier. But since so I was going to buy a drug at, I won't mention the name, but I was going to buy a drug at one of your popular pharmacies and uh, they didn't have it. It was a lot. And the, the pharmacist actually said, can I talk to you for a second? Said And said, oh. I shouldn't say this, but if you go over to Costco, it's going to be like 10 bucks. Oh. I said, really? And they said, yeah, I'm not supposed to. So then I, so I went to Costco and it was 10 bucks as opposed to it was like 90 bucks there. Why? Why? why is, how, what is that? Is that just purely in the private industry between like CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid and Costco? Or is that part of the whole thing? Yeah, roughly 75% of the drug market is controlled by three PBMs, prescription benefit managers. And Jack, what you just said is true. It happens all the time. You know, one of the things we're doing with smaller employers, with self-funded employers, is we're steering them to the lower-cost pharmacies. We have an app built into their phone. When they get their prescription, we tell them, where's the cheapest place within 10 miles of their home to get that drug, and we show them the price difference. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I again, get like it. I said, and, there's tools. And there's it, tools. but It can yeah. be worthwhile, but like now, instead of just always going to the place closest to my house, which I've done my whole life, I've got like four different pharmacies, some of them really a long way away, but it's a much cheaper way to get the drugs. Yeah, everybody yeah. has to become that's, a healthcare bargain hobbyist. I yes. Guess. <laughs> wow. Great. Yeah, Craig Gottwals, Craig, the healthcare guru. Uh, really interesting stuff, Craig. Uh, it's you know it's appalling to me how few Americans will hear a description as simple, lucid, and undeniable as as our folks just heard. Does nobody have an interest in reporting this stuff? It affects everybody all the time. Well, uh, one that was conspiratorial minded might argue that um, when your number one advertiser is this industry, it's yeah. really hard to have people on that talk badly about it. That's a good point. Uh, wrong number. Uh, new phone. Who dis? Lose our number. Craig, <laughs> go away. Craig Gottwals. Craig, it's always a pleasure. We have a link at armstrongandgetty.com if you want to get in touch with Craig and learn more about benefits and drug prices and that sort of thing. Always good to talk to you, bud. Thanks, gentlemen. Have them hit my Substack. Okay, cool. Yeah, sure. Hit his Substack. We'll have a link to that too. Armstrong and Getty on. I'm sorry, ArmstrongandGetty.com. I don't know if I. He says it's mostly good news, so that it's going the right direction on that particular thing. But I still came away with it a bad feeling, I guess, because the whole uh, healthcare industry being the the biggest industry in the country and the biggest lobbyist in the country. That's frustrating. Yes, and it does have a feel of, you know, at your job, they don't let you take your lunch breaks. Uh, They punch you in the face regularly at work, and they've stolen your car five times, and they've announced, hey, we're going to let you take your lunch break now. (laughs) I mean, it is, to call it a half measure, which would be far too high a compliment. And it was nice of that pharmacist to take me to the side and say, hey, look, over at Costco, this would be 10 bucks." He has a human soul, or she. I congratulate him. Right. Yeah. Handy. And I realize you can do mail order for some of this stuff, but my situation just doesn't doesn't fit very well with that. Anyway, um, any thoughts on anything? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Yeah, this is the inevitable result of big government. That's my thought. Yeah. You give government that much power that much economic uh, influence, you're going to get rent-seeking. You're going to get uh, uh, corruption. I mean, how can you describe what he was describing as anything but corruption? 
Yeah. Well, I hope you're more informed now. More on the way. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Intelligence alerted us of this human human uh, smuggling network. White House officials claim they disrupted an operation where an ISIS sympathizer helped more than a dozen Uzbek nationals get to Mexico and apply for asylum where they were let into the U.S. bound for parts unknown. The National Security Council says the U.S. government has taken steps to identify all those whose entry to the United States was facilitated by this smuggling network and has utilized the full suite of law enforcement tools to assess such individuals to ensure that they do not pose ongoing public safety and national security concerns. When will we control our border? I remember Tom Friedman of the New York Times saying this, geez, 25 years ago on the Charlie Rose show, and I thought, yep, you're right. I can't believe it hasn't happened. He said, we'll control our border when a guy with from Al-Qaeda with a backpack gets across and a bomb goes off. Then we'll finally control our border. But it never happened. Now you got some ISIS people coming across. I mean, I'm shocked that none of these terrorist groups have ever used our border to get into our country. Well, you have a bunch of Uzbek people who were aided. They were shipped, if you will, by an Al-Qaeda sympathizer. They are not known to be terrorists or terrorist sympathizers. But it, it was funny, as I listened to Peter Ducey quote the government saying, we are using every law enforcement resource to identify who these people are and where they're. Um, why didn't you do that at the border? So you took them in, let them apply for asylum, and turned them loose, as he said, to parts unknown, and now you're working to figure out who the hell they are? Well, and then not to mention the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that have no contact with anybody and get across the border. 
Right, the get the gotaways. Yeah. The border is secure. You people who look to Washington, D.C., the federal government, with faith and trust and admiration, seriously, what color is the sky in your world? How terrible would they have to be before you thought, wow, I think we're putting too much trust in a giant federal government? I don't get you. I did actually think that that was the answer to our border problem after 9-11, that a, a terrorist or, or terrorists will come across. They'll pull off an attack, and then everybody will realize, okay, we got, we can't we can't have porous borders anymore. That's no way to operate a first-world country. But it hasn't mm-hmm. happened. Let's hear from the brilliant Victor Davis Hanson making a basic but uh, very uh, avid uh, or uh, valid point in 33. What is so essential about letting in 7 to 8 million people without audit or background checks and destroying the border and immigration laws? We know that the cartels are in American soil. We know that we're denying entry through legal immigrants that have to wait in line. So what is it about it that this administration insists on destroying the, the border? Given all of these downsides, is there any, what is the upside they see? I honestly think, in large measure, it's that Trump made it fundamental to his campaign, his presidency, he was going to secure the border. It was like the first thing he, it's like the first thing he said when he announced in June of 2015. So and yeah, make Mexico pay for it, which was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and therefore, to establish their bona fides as the anti-Trumps, as we hate Trump, everything Trump said was wrong, they had to lay the border open. They had to stop the building of the wall, which cost billions of dollars. I think it's as simple and as idiotic and as destructive as that. I'm looking at a quote from Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. Immigration is arguably this administration's weakest issue, she said at some sort of hearing today. Clearly. I mean, the polling shows that, yeah. Wow. And yet the the idiocy continues. Well, you know why she's saying that. She's a New York congressperson where it is all of a sudden a really, really big deal that we have forest borders. So it's no longer like an academic exercise in your social class. Thousands, millions of people pouring across the border. Now it's real to you, and your opinion has changed 180 degrees. How interesting. Whether the mayor of New York or the governor of New York or AOC in Brooklyn, or yeah, it's become a different issue now that all of a sudden, oh, oh, you meant illegal immigrants. Oh, you meant a whole bunch of people showing up. With, with no food, no medicine, don't speak your language, and you got to figure out where to put... Oh, that's what you meant by a border... We didn't understand till now. Authorities say these Uzbeki migrants, they're immigrants, requested asylum at the border with Mexico earlier this year, were screened by Homeland Security. Nothing in any of the intelligence community's databases raised any red flags, and they were all released in the U.S. pending a court appearance, to which they will never show up. It was only later that the FBI learned of a smuggling network helping Uzbeks into the U.S., which involved at least one individual with ties to ISIS. I don't even I don't even know what to say. We are so ill served. I can't even the border is secure. So we do four hours of this show every day. You can't listen to them all. You got things to do, but you can fit them into your life somewhere in podcast form, perhaps. Uh, just subscribe to Armstrong and Getty on demand. I'm I'm not doing hour four. 
I'm quitting. I'm quiet quitting. No, this is loud quitting. I'm I'm too discouraged. I'm too cynical. Goodbye, everyone. Loud quitting. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.